Come along with us as we explore the broad world of preservation and the work being done to preserve, interpret, and save our past in a 21st century world. From aquaculture to historic foodways to forensic modeling, we're talking weekly with experts from across the globe. This is your host, Nick Redding. Welcome to PreserveCast. Join us on this week's PreserveCast as we talk with Lara Miller, the Director of Member Engagement for the Early American Industries Association. Lara will take us through EAIA's history of being the go-to community to learn about American tools, trades, and industries for over 90 years. She'll also dive into their resources network and how listeners can get involved. All that and more on this week's PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we're so excited to be joined by Lara Miller of the Early American Industries Association. We're going to be talking all about how she got into that line of work and where she grew up and how this all came together and what this really unique and interesting organization does to preserve uh, the legacy of early industry and what that all means to this organization that is over 90 years old itself. So before we jump into all that, let's get to know you a little bit. Where'd you grow up and what was the spark? What led you down the path of working in history and preservation? Yeah, so I grew up um, in eastern Kentucky and southern West Virginia. Um, I grew up kind of on the border of both of the states. And so I consider myself to um, be a native of both states. But um, so I will say growing up there um, definitely sort of started this path for me because the part that I grew up in um, was, at least at the time, um, quite impoverished. And so I grew up seeing a lot of these stunning buildings um, within the community just um, falling down, basically, and going to disrepair. Um, and as someone who has just always loved old houses that just really bothered me, even when I was a kid, um, and the money just wasn't there to preserve and or restore these buildings. So when I went away to college, I decided that I wanted to go into something that could help prevent this disrepair from happening. Um, and so I ended up going into more of the museum side at first. I started my career at the Valentine Museum in Richmond, Virginia which is basically um, Richmond's history museum for the city. Um, And I worked in visitor services there and and gave tours of the historic 1812 Wickham House. Um, And then from there, I I gained experience at various museums, doing a lot of historical interpretation. And so I worked at Oldster Ridge Village for a while. Um, I ran the pottery shop there. Um, And then... uh, I ended up deciding that I wanted to be able to go into a side of the field where I could um, sort of have more to do with like program planning and really driving the mission behind an organization. And so right around the time that I was thinking I wanted to do that, I met some folks at EAIA um, and they invited me to be a part of it. And so it's just been the perfect fit for me so far. And um, people are probably curious when you say you ran the pottery shop at Old Sturbridge Village, and I don't have it sitting here with me, but I have a mug. It's possible you've, you made it um, So from several years ago. Uh, but um, how, how did you learn that skill? So you, because you went to like 
regular, like regular college, quote unquote, right? You <laughs> went to, did you go to, you went to Shepherd? I did not go to Shepherd. I went to Marshall University in West okay. Virginia. Well, I'm a Shepherd guy. We won't hold it against you, but keep going. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it was actually when I was in grad school and um, my husband and I were living in Richmond, Virginia, um, I was looking for something where I could, I don't know, kind of de-stress, but also make things. I love making and creating things. And so I decided to try my hand at pottery because it was something that still had the historic ties. Um, and so it just kind of worked out that over the years as I as I did it, in classes and from home um, that I saw the job opening for the production potter at Old Sturbridge Village. <laughs> and do you still do you still do pottery? I do. Yeah, I have a shop um, here at our house and um, I don't do it a ton. Um, but yeah, I still get very into it. <laughs> That's exciting. So talk to us about the history of this organization that you're working for. So you you end up there after kind of working and, you know, talking about where you grew up and then working at these different historic sites. Um, you're no longer in Richmond. I know we're talking to you from somewhere in Connecticut right now or Massachusetts, I don't, somewhere in New England. <laughs> yeah, I live in uh, Suffield, Connecticut. Suffield, Connecticut. So you end up there and you're working for this organization. Talk to us about the history of this organization because not everybody knows about it. It's sort of like a, I mean, and that's a big part of your job and why we have you here right now is to make sure everybody does know about it. But it's sort of like one of these hidden gems. And once you figure it out and you're interested in this kind of stuff, you're like, whoa, this is really cool. Um, but what was the, what was sort of the, the creation story of the early American Industry Association? And, and then maybe we'll talk about where it is today. But what was, what was the whole idea behind it? Yeah, so it started um, in 1933 in Northampton, Massachusetts, um, and it has quite humble beginnings. It, um, the first meeting was at Wiggins Old Tavern um, in Northampton, which the tavern is actually still there today. It's an 18th century tavern, um, and it was a meeting of 16 women and men um, who wanted to just discuss kind of historic trades antique tools. And I think back then they were really into the tool side of it, um, tools and various mechanisms and utensils. Um, and it just really grew from there. They, they immediately established a print publication um, called The Chronicle, which we still have in print today. It's a quarterly publication. Um, and now we have uh, something like 2,000 members and and it's grown to be sort of international. We have members in Australia and India and Italy and just kind of all over the place. So it's it's really nice to see all of these other people getting into studying these old trades and tools as well. So if you could, but but so it, so it has this research function. It, it it publishes. If people are thinking about it and they're like, okay, what is it? What are the programs? What is it? What does it do on a regular basis? Is it sort of a research function? Is it a way of sharing information? Um, do they get together? And um, so let's go there. And then we'll talk about sort of what you're doing now and, and where it's headed. Yeah. So we, um, we, I'm grateful to say we do all kinds of things. We, in addition to like our publications and us having this research aspect to the organization, we also do things like offer grants. Um we do research grants. We offer grants for people doing historic demonstrations at historic sites. 
Um, and, uh, getting into things like preservation and restoration. Um, and then we also, um, sort of sponsor different like workshops and events. Um, we recently, I think it was in January, um, sponsored the like furniture symposium at Williamsburg. We recently sponsored a timber framing workshop at historic Eastfield village in Nassau, New York. Um, and so we really just like kind of delving into various things, just whatever we can do to push our mission. And our mission is to preserve and present historic trades, crafts, and tools. Um, and so Thankfully, we can find all kinds of different ways to do that. And we really are trying to to find every way possible that we can push that mission and not only just keep the organization going, um, but continue to grow it and just help all of the people and all of the institutions that we can. Yeah, I mean, and you guys are on Instagram. I follow you there. And you you do get a taste for the diversity of the interests and uh, things that you guys care about because there's all these... You know, it's everything from shoemaking to like horseshoe making. I mean, it is it is, you know, all all in between. And um, it's pretty cool to see that um, for people listening who are like, oh, wait, we are I'm at a historic site in Minnesota and we really want to do a historic trades workshop and we want to, you know, get in touch with um, the Early American Industries Association or we want to apply for a grant. How does that process work? Is there an open call? Is it you just give, you know, message you on Instagram? How do, how do people um, get in touch and, and um, get on your radar for things like that? Yeah, so um, most anything to do with the organization can be found on our website at eaia.us. Um, so you can go on there and you can apply for a membership or you can you can use our contact function and you'll be put in direct contact with our executive director, John Verrill. Um, and we you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at the Early American Industries Association. And um, that is where we post when our grants are open, which is usually we usually open them up the application process every December and then we award grants. Um, each April. Um, we usually do three uh, grants uh, that people can apply for. Um, and yeah, and if people are interested in sort of um, collaborating with us or um, doing us doing a program or whatever, they can still use that contact function on the website um, and get in touch with our executive director. And so you know, it's a 90 year old organization. It's done a lot of different things. Um, you do have get togethers in the field, I understand, um, where people can kind of get together. And do you have one of those planned coming up for the year ahead? Is there one people should be kind of on the radar? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do an annual meeting each year. Um, and then we also do regional meetings, um, which gives our members the opportunity to meet up and network even more. Um, and so our next regional meeting is coming up September 30th. It's going to be in Fayetteville, New York at the Stickley Furniture Museum. Um, and so we do a lot of regional meetings like that. where We'll meet up at different museums and historic sites. We'll take tours and then also just take time to kind of chat, see what everyone's been up to. Sometimes auctions or tool sales are involved. Um, and then our next annual meeting is going to be next April um, in Williamsburg. 
And so people can find all the information there. What happens at an annual meeting? So if someone's listening is like, okay, I like early American industries and tools and historic trades. So this sounds like my people. What could they expect? Like what might happen in Williamsburg? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you asked because I feel like an annual meeting doesn't properly describe it because yeah, it, it really need, is more... It might need a new name. Maybe, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll workshop that later. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's actually more of a conference. It's usually four days long, Wednesday through Saturday. And um, we just will usually choose one major historic site or one really historic city or town. And we will go to um, a lot of the museums and historic sites in the area. Um, We will get sort of like Um, behind the scenes tours of things. A lot of the time we'll be able to go in and see like collections and archives. Um, At Williamsburg, I know we're going to be focusing on the trade shops a lot. Um, We also do um, sort of like like meet and greet sort of things and and networking because that's always a big part of it um, for us too is making sure all of our members really get to um, get to know each other and we have that camaraderie aspect as well. Um, and then we always do tool sales and auctions because a lot of our members are big collectors also. So it's, it's really, it's pretty jam packed, um, each year, but it's a lot of fun. It sounds like it. And and we'll make sure, um, if you share that information with us, as we get closer, we can kind of, uh, drop in, um, some, some, uh, updates, uh, in upcoming episodes of PreserveCast. Um, if, People, well, let's take a step back here for a second before we get to there. So, uh, you know, you've got the workshops you, or the, the conferences, you, the get-togethers. Um, you know, w- are there other plans for the organization that people should sort of be aware of? Or are you trying to expand programming? I know you've come on kind of looking at programming and, and ways of kind of thinking through this. Where's the where's the, the vision headed with the organization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, One thing that we've recently been discussing is doing what we're currently just calling like pop-ups. Basically, us being able to go to various historic sites um, and do maybe like trades demonstrations or or even just speaking. Um, And that way people get to know the organization, but we're also collaborating with various historic sites and other organizations um, and we're really wanting to kind of spread ourselves out as much as we can because it it can be really hard for people to not only plan our annual and regional meetings, but even just attend them. Um, and so we're really wanting to start being able to do pop-ups all over the country. Um, so more of our members um can really engage with the organization. If somebody is listening and is like, well, I've got the perfect place. You can come and pop up, uh, you know, with our potter or our shoemaker or whomever it might be, or our historic trades crew that is, you know, rehabbing a log cabin or something like that. How should they, is there a way to reach out? Should they just, what's the best way to get in touch with you in the organization? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can, um, they can always go to eaia.us and then use our contact function. Or if anyone wants to email me directly, they can email me at membership at earlyamericanindustries.org. Well, that's a good way of doing it. And we would encourage people to, to join. It sounds like a great organization for people listening to this podcast. Um, how much does it cost to join? Uh, the base price is just $44. And then you get 
all of our publications and um, get to go to the meetings. And um, you, you're the first to hear about things like grants and programs and so on. Sounds like a steal. And 44, an interesting, an interesting dollar amount. Is there, is there, <laughs> is there a reason behind that? Not 45, not 43? Yeah, not that I know of. <laughs> no, but I like it. It's unique. Um, people won't forget it. It's like putting the speed limit at 23. Um, so, um, if people, so, and you know, we, we started with you, we moved over to EAIA and and now we're going to head back to you. Um, you know, I, I know you're a, a craftsperson and an artist in your own right. I, in interest of full disclosure, I have a piece, so you can't quite see it, but I do have a piece of your art hanging on the wall that I <laughs> purchased at a historic site that was uh, supporting um, a previous uh, guest here on PreserveCast, the Eric Sloan Museum. Um, you helped them out with a fundraiser. But um, I know you do a lot of things in your own right um, and uh, have stuff that you sell and sort of have your own artistic endeavors. Are there a way for people to follow you? They want to learn more about you or f- cool, see the cool pottery that you do or the woodcuts or any of that kind of stuff. How do they follow you and what are you kind of working on right now? Yeah. Um, so if anyone wants to follow me, the best place to do it is probably Instagram. Um, so you can look up my name, Lara Miller, or um, or a candlelit garden is my handle on there. Um, that's where I post a lot of my art. I do block printing and pottery and wood burning and watercolor, this, that, and the other. Um, but I, I usually just kind of let my interests and inspiration guide me. I'm always so inspired by what other people are doing and even inspired by the landscape around me. So I'm always switching up what I'm doing. Very cool. Um, and we always ask this of anyone who comes on, do you have a favorite historic place or site? Oh, absolutely. Can I actually list two? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so it's actually two towns, one being Marblehead, Massachusetts, which is just my favorite place ever. Um, and because it's just, if I'm not mistaken, it has the highest density of 17th and 18th century structures in the U.S., Um, and it's right on the coast. There's a lighthouse. There's a 1644 fort there. It's really, it's just incredible. And then the second place is Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, um, which I'm sure you know well, Nick. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just for for its history and for it being in West Virginia. And um, and it's also where my husband and I had our first date. (laughs) You had your first date. Did it involve, did it involve the John Brown Fort? Did the date involved the, the date yeah. involved the fort. I did not know this, um, <laughs> but I, I I love knowing that now. Um, and all great marriages do start with the John Brown Fort. Um, and it's, it's true. It's true. Um, well, this has been so much fun um, just to have you on and hear about this and a great opportunity for people who care about this kind of um, work and these trades and learning more about them and getting to know people who do care about them um, to find ways to engage. Um, So we'll put links in the show notes so people can join um, and then they can attend either a regional or the upcoming big one in Williamsburg. Great reason to go to Williamsburg. Um, And if people want to get in touch, um, obviously they can find you, as you said, on Instagram, Candlelit Garden is the handle there and uh, Early American Industries Association. And we'll have all the links there as well. Um, Thanks so much for joining us today. It's been so much fun and looking forward to engaging with you. Perhaps we can have a preserve cast pop up at one of your uh, regional convenings and talk to people who are there. Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. 
Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening and keep on preserving.